Hi, I'm Erin, a strategic money mastery coach on a mission to create a wealthy woman movement because I believe that wealthy women will change the world. Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast for creative female entrepreneurs looking to gain financial freedom. Over the last decade, I have learned how to capitalize on my time and streamline my business to work smarter, not harder. This podcast will include money-related mindset and management tips and tricks so that you can do the same. I've brought multiple businesses to six and even seven figures, co-developed a real estate empire with my sweet hubby, Brett, and that has allowed us to pay off all debt, purchase our dream home, take vacations around the world, and spend more quality time together with our two daughters, Ava and Junie. I'm on a mission to help women entrepreneurs like you stop overworking so you can make more money without compromising or sacrificing the life of your dream. Abundance is yours for the taking. So grab your notebook and your favorite drink and let's get into it. Hello, wealthy women. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Woman Podcast. I am so excited to have Chofa on the podcast today. Welcome, Chofa. I'm so excited to be here. I love, love connecting with people off of Instagram, especially in the podcast format where it's so much more intimate and getting to see another human in real life. I know, right? We were saying that right before we started recording that actually we don't know each other at all. We've just been connecting through Instagram and we get the opportunity to have a really cool conversation today around the love-hate relationship of sales, which I know both of us are passionate about. Um, So I'm excited to dive in. But before we do, can you just share a little bit about yourself, who you are outside of business and inside of business as well? Oh yeah, let's do it. Um, I am a sales and mindset coach. I love all things sales, all things mindset um, and everything in between. Um, So I work with online coaches and online service providers, really just helping them make more money and love sales and love selling and learning to do so that it is, that is in a very uh, authentic and genuine way to who they are. Um, outside of business, I, the first thing I want to say is I love tequila and it's like always like the, one of the first things I tell people, I don't know why. I love and, it. And right away people, margarita. yeah, everyone's like, she loves tequila. Nobody says that ever, but I love tequila. I love beer. I love going to the gym. I love reading books. I love journaling. It's a good balance of, you know, many different things. I know in Instagram, we talked a lot about our love for food, being foodies. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I live in Vancouver um, and it's just so multicultural here. There's like every single type of food that you could possibly ever want. Um, Double-edged sword, of course. It makes it very hard to want to use this kitchen over here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, I am excited for us to get to chat more about sales. And I know it can be such a taboo conversation. And, you know, on the Wealthy Woman podcast, every guest that I bring on is through the framework, through the lens of how does your expertise as a guest, how can it help women build wealth? And I know that in mastering our mindset and certainly some of the strategies in sales, we can work towards helping people make more money, which obviously helps them build personal wealth. And so I'm so excited to jump in. So let's just dive in. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about why do you think sales has such a bad rep? Um, And why do we tend to, especially as women, say that it is feels so icky? Um, Where do you think that comes from? And yeah. Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is always the word icky, right? People always, they think of sales and they're like, oh, they're like, just like that automatic response and like feeling gross and pushy and cold. And I think sales has a bad rep because of the way, you know, old school selling used to be so hard and aggressive and pushy and masculine energy, you know? And I think that it has continues to have a bad rep because 
most people have had that really bad sales experience, right? Most people have had that pushy salesperson who they just end up buying from to just so that they can just piss off and leave, right? They're like, shut up. I just want to get on with my day. I don't want to go back and forth anymore. I mean, I've been there. I know many people have. And that negative experience is what they then hold on to and generalize to sales and selling in general. Mm, So, so true. And how do you feel? And this is something that really attracts me to you and like the idea of it being so authentic and being so filled with integrity. How do you see like this bad rap really like contrasting with this ability to be authentic and, you know, have beautiful integrity in the process of selling? Yeah, I think that it's selling has had a bad rep because those people who used to sell like that or whatever, were in it for the sale, right? And that was it, right? You're in it for the sale. You're in it for the dollar value. You're in it to hit quota. You're in it for your commission. That's it. You don't believe in the product. You don't believe in the service. That's why it feels so pushy, right? Mm. Because it's not truly in alignment with who you are or what you stand for or what you believe in, right? And that's when it changes, you know, in business, if you're selling your own offer or product or service that you're truly passionate about and you're so excited, you know, for, and you can really stand behind, that's when the integrity comes through. That's when it doesn't feel pushy anymore. That's when it feels easy. Mm, Yeah, it's it's focused on, not the quota and not the commission. It's focused on the person that you're sitting across from or the one that's on the phone and just really believing that our product or our service really is going to serve them. I always say that sales is just a a higher form of serving with the energetic exchange of money. And I feel like we're so aligned in that. I, I view selling in the same way. Selling for me is absolutely a form of service. Yes. And I think the more that we can wrap our brains around the fact, because I think, especially as women, many times we want to serve, we want to help. We have these, we're heart-centered in our approach. Um, and to, to ask for money, which is the hard part of the selling, I think many times, it is like icky, like we've said. And when we think about it as really serving and when somebody's able to bring energy of money that they are committed they're going to put themselves into the situation that gives the results that that you know we are selling so it's it's so important um okay what do you believe why do you believe it's a non-negotiable and I certainly do as well for business owners to have to fall in love with sales to learn sales like why is that so important I think that like, if you want to make a sale, you have to sell, right? They just go hand in hand, right? One doesn't happen before the other. You can't make a sale without you starting to sell your actual offer or service. And selling is a non-negotiable as it is in like any sort of business, brick and mortar or online. You know, we it, it's so interesting because when people start businesses online, we just assume, and I did this at the beginning stages of my business where, okay, online business, open up shop, turn on the virtual open sign, people just flocking, right? People are coming, people are flowing in, they're throwing their credit cards at you. And it's like, (laughs) absolutely not, right? And it's so funny to think about because we're like, well, of course they're not flocking to us, right? They've never heard of us. They have no idea what we have to offer, products or services. They don't trust us. How could we expect that they are just going to start buying from us, right? And that's where I view the selling piece coming yeah. in. That selling is really about your, like you're informing your ideal clients about the solution or the offer, the product that you have to solve a very specific problem. And if you're not doing that, how are they supposed to know what it is that they can buy? I love it. So true. 
and yet I think this is where a lot of the mindset stuff comes in is and I, I've you know as I talk with my colleagues or as I coach people you know it's like I just like can't talk about it like I just have a hard time saying what I do and asking you know for the money and um, being a financial coach and money coach I know there's so many blocks when it comes to money and I know that you specifically speak about blocks and and stuff around sales so what are some of the common mindset blocks you see when it comes to to selling and how do you if you if like coach me through them almost online or on this call so people can sort of see and hear like how to break through a little bit those Mm -hmm. some of those blocks yeah I think this is a great question um I think what I hear most often is this feeling around guilt feeling guilty when they ask for the sale right or feeling guilty when they pitch their price and the reason why most of them feel guilty is because they feel like what they're going to receive from this person, they might not be able to deliver on their end, right? Or they might not be able to match what it is that they feel this person is giving to them, right? So they feel guilty. And I think when you start to look at what you had mentioned earlier about it being an energetic exchange, right? Said client is exchanging money, right? You are exchanging your work, your time, and your energy. And when I look at it like that, and I look at, well, I am here to help them solve a very specific problem that is causing so much stress, so much discomfort, so much pain, whatever that looks like, how could I possibly feel guilty for taking their money? Because I know that this is going to change their lives, that this is going to change their businesses. Hmm. Yeah, it's that belief in the product again, like you were saying, or the belief in the service and um, knowing that it's almost like a, I, it's wrong to not talk about it, to not offer it because you know that it's going to help your particular person with a particular problem and I know that to talk more about that because I know that's such a key part of sales is understanding the particular problem the particular person do you do you go into that when you're working with people how do you kind of on a high level help people understand what that is for their business mm-hmm. yeah so um just to add one point to what you said Aaron around it it almost feels wrong to not tell them about your offer. Like I always tell myself and my clients that if you know this person is like the perfect client, the ideal client, and they have the problem that you know you can solve, you're literally doing them a massive disservice by hiding this solution that you know will help them immensely because of whatever emotional stuff is going on for you, right? And it's not about you right? It's about them and the problem that you're helping them solve. Um, So that's like one way that I really help to mitigate those feelings or thoughts around guilt, bringing awareness to really what is it that you're doing? Okay. What is the change that you're helping to create in their lives? And what is the ripple effect of that? Right? Because at surface level, right? The, the presenting problem is, let's say, for example, I help my clients make more money in their businesses. That's fantastic. That's solid. But what is the ripple effect to that? It is, okay, you know, now that my client is able to make more money in her business, she, you know, doesn't need to, I don't know, doesn't need to work another job right? That takes away from her family time, time with her partner. Um, The fact that she makes more money now, maybe she can help provide for, you know, her mom who she's been wanting to take care of, who's going into, you know, her elderly years now. She can finally start taking care of herself, right? And so when you start with just that surface level problem that you're using in your marketing, right, which is what we need, 
that's the thing that people can connect on. Just start taking like steps outwards and looking at what this specific problem that you help them solve is going to do for them now and for them 10 years from now. And we start to really look at it like that. I feel zero guilt about taking any money from anybody. How did you move? Like, what's your story around sales? Like, how did you move? Because I know like many times we teach, you know, our own transformation. How did you move into this belief around what you offer and being able to, to sell without guilt? What's your story around that? Um, yeah, this is a great story. So I, um, I was a grad school reject, went to university for five years, graduated with my BA in psychology, was going to go to grad school, do all the things, whatever. All I got was rejection letters. So that prompted me to start my own business. First go with the business was a massive flop. Okay. I was 18 months into my business, $20,000 invested and had made zero in sales nothing. And it was at this turning point that I realized where there was a massive disconnect when it came to what I was selling and how I was selling. Mm. So what I was selling at the time truly wasn't what I wanted to be selling. It was what I thought I should be selling. Um, And then the how piece I was a very, I presented myself in a way that I thought I should be presenting myself and it wasn't me. Like I showed, I showed up on Facebook and had like a white button shirt and like blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I never dress like that ever. And I don't talk like that ever, like this hyper professional person. So after being 18 months in business and making no money, I was like, what's going on here? Like I'm doing the things, but it's not working. And it was all of the stuff inside, inside that was like out of alignment, that wasn't truly me, that wasn't authentic to me. But then I realized, okay, something's gonna change. And of course, like this was a long process, but after I realized all of that, that's when I came back to my business with a whole new lens on how I wanted to help people, what I wanted to sell and how I wanted to sell it. Mm, I love that. It was your own like need this like I have to fit this mold this some model that somebody's telling me I have to do which I find like myself like this is how I have to scale in the industry or this is how you know and it's coming back to ourselves coming back to our intuition and coming back to what we were designed and created to do and being so in alignment with that and what how did that shift for you then as you continue your story and you tapped into I'm gonna sell what I really want to sell how I really want to sell it what was what did that look like and how did things change for you yeah so I changed my niche completely pivoted like complete 360 in my business basically started over um and I was hyper aware of challenging myself to allow me to be me in my business now. Like not putting on this fake facade, not putting on a stupid dress shirt for no reason, you know, and like ironing it for no reason because I would never do that in my actual life. And when I started doing that and doing that consistently, people were like, choke, like, I know who you are now. I can see you're so passionate about what you're, you're offering in your business. It all makes sense. Like, I know who you are. That was like the biggest thing, biggest like piece of feedback that I got from my community at the time was they just could see the change in my energy. And I was just truly being me. And that allowed them to connect with me at a human level, which builds trust, builds relationships built like builds connections and then that eventually led to people signing on to work with me and sales and you know so on and so forth the rest is history but that was really I think the first initial steps or thoughts that I had when I was going through this pivot I love it and I think it's you know we find ourselves in as I you know have conversations with my clients and with people it's like 
Well, I should sell this because there seems to be more need for it in the industry. I'll probably make more money doing that. I, you know, and it's so true. Like, oh, you're going to have a hard time selling something you don't love to do or that you're not really passionate about, or it doesn't really light that fire in you that is going to have you say, you should pay me money for this. Trust me, it's going to be worth the the dollars you spend. And so thank you for sharing your story and like the transformation that um, occurred for you in your business. Because I think those listening can probably resonate so much with that. Yeah, of course, Erin. And I, I think what you just said to, to tie it back to sales and selling, right? That if you, if you can't stand behind what it is that you're selling, you're never going to be able to sell it. You know, selling is a transfer of confidence. And if you don't have confidence in what you're selling, it just, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. And we can be saying all the right things. We can have the most perfect sales call script. We can whatever, but at a, you know, intuitive level like we as humans pick up on energy right you could be saying one thing but your energy is saying something else and I can feel that you know in my gut and it's saying "Mm, something feels off here even though we might not be able to communicate it or like express it in that moment you just feel it absolutely I love that use that phrase Um, sales is a transfer of confidence gosh, that is like right on. Like you can have all the sales tactics and, but if you, and I was a, I, I, I mentioned before we started recording, I was a door-to-door buck girl. And so I did like the scrappiest cold calling sales you could imagine. And there was a part of the product line I would never sell because I didn't believe in it. And so I never would want to ask people for money or talk about it. Cause I'm like, I don't believe in it. I don't like it but I really love the children's program. And so I'm just going to sell the heck out of that because I really love it and I believe in it. And it's so true. Right. Exactly. And this is when, this is when those feelings of being pushy or cold or icky come up, right? Because you're selling something that you don't believe in. So of course it's going to feel gross. Of course it's going to feel icky. Of course it's going to feel pushy. Because you are literally pushing against resistance, right? You're pushing against something that you don't believe in. So true. So confidence is so key in sales. When you're working with your clients, do you have some particular ways that you help them tap into their confidence to help them elevate their sales? Yeah. Um, It always starts with, you know, their confidence and self-belief and self-esteem as just an individual put the business aside put all of that stuff aside and let's just start with you as a person because if you lack the confidence and the self-esteem and the self-belief as an individual that only gets magnified in your business right you don't start a business and then you're like oh I'm this like new incredible version of myself it's like no actually now you're under a microscope and it's <laughs> And it's even worse. You know what I mean? Like now you're on a stage and everyone gets to see it. So that's where I start with my clients. Seems like sometimes counterintuitive, but when they trust the process and we start there with them, when you start to believe that, um, or you start to build that confidence within yourself, that's where it stems from, right? Then it ripples into all other areas of your life. It doesn't Mm. go the other way. Yeah, I love that. And I know it's probably very individual at some level for you as you coach people, but as listeners are hearing this and they're leaning in like, oh my gosh, that's me. I know I need to start with my own personal confidence. What are some questions that you would have them ask themselves or some exercises or um, journaling prompts or anything to that you kind of do with clients like to help them build their confidence? I start with asking them to start keeping promises to themselves, promises to themselves and that are going to help them become that version of who they want to be, right? So if for them, you know, being that confident version of themselves means, you know, someone who values their health, right? Someone who is going to 
I don't know, actually carve out time to take care of their physical health, mental health, emotional health. I'm going to do this two times a week, let's just say, right? Whatever that goal is for you, start keeping baby promises to yourself because that confidence or that self-esteem is like a muscle you need to keep on working. You need to keep on practicing it. And if you can't keep promises to yourself, you're only telling yourself that you can't follow through, that I shouldn't be confident in my ability because I never actually do the thing that I say I'm going to do. So how is that going to change when you have a business? It doesn't. I love that. That's so huge. With the keeping of promises to yourself, it might sound overly simplified. You know, you might be like, well, what the hell does this have to do with my business, right? And it's at a subconscious, unconscious level, it's recognizing that you as an individual without the business, you are worthy of just showing up for you. You don't need anybody else or any other external reasons to show up. Just showing up for you in itself is the most powerful thing that you can do. And if we aren't able to do that, then those external, you know, factors or rewards or whatever, it's not going to keep you motivated in your business, at least not for long. Eventually it wears off, right? It starts with all of the intrinsic motivations. Mm, Huge. What's a story? Do you have a story or like, yeah, where you've seen the client or, or some examples of promises clients have made that they've kept in like what that did for their confidence? I love this. Yes. Oh man. Okay. So many. Um, I would, okay. So I had a, a client who was a social media manager and graphic designer. Very, she was doing well in her business. Um, but she was terrified of being like the face of her business. She was always hiding kind of like behind the scenes. You'd never see her face on Instagram, anything like that. And it was because she had a lot of self-esteem issues, a lot of issues and trauma around body image, um, just her own lack of confidence. And so every day we had set this goal, like, you know, five minutes of mirror work, telling yourself whatever affirmations feel right for you and five minutes of gratitude and just like very small baby goals and over time, you know, she's doing this, she's coming to the calls, completely different energy. She's being more assertive. She's being more vocal about her opinions, where she stands in her business. She is going after opportunities with potential clients, you know, pitching her services, which she's never done before. And near the end of our coaching, she had signed on a ton more retainer clients. She had gone after like all of these new opportunities that she never would have before. And also she went after opportunities that she got no's from, but wasn't thrown off course. That wasn't like, oh, F this, I'm out. I'm never doing this again. She's like, okay, I'm good. I'm still good. I'm okay. You know, so it was just night and day, the transformation I saw in her. So beautiful. And it was because she did that internal work. And I know the mirror work and gratitude was probably just the tip of the iceberg of the stuff that you guys did to really help her tap into her own self and her own self-worth and confidence that allowed her to show up like that in her business. So cool. Yeah, absolutely. Just the tip of the iceberg. And then, you know, going back to not to go off on a tangent, but going back to where did all of these thoughts come from? Like, why, why are they the narratives and the stories that we're holding on to? Where did these beliefs come from? And how did they serve a, like serve a purpose at one point in time? Because they all did at one point in time, but now it's about recognizing how is it no longer serving me now? Ooh, I love that. Can you give like, get, go more into that? I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. So for example, I'll use like a personal example in my own life. So I know that one of the limiting beliefs that I had 
as a child or teen or whatever was that I, I wasn't worthy of attention. And I developed that belief because I had, you know, a chaotic childhood, whatever. But for me, it was like a defense mechanism. Like if I didn't get attention, I was safe. I was like, good, just coasting, being safe behind the scenes, not getting on anyone's bad nerves, anything like that. But now how that's not serving me in my life or my business is I'm not worthy of attention. So, okay, I'm not worthy of attention from my clients or attention from prospective clients. I'm not worthy of people, you know, looking at my content and and getting value from it. I'm not worthy of making an impact in the way that I want to. There's so much that you can unfold from something that seems minuscule, you know, or like that goes back maybe decades. And then you start to, you know, connect the dots and you're like, oh shit, that's still happening. (laughs) Yeah. It's a story that served you at one point, but it's definitely a very old story. Mm -hmm. And in your own life, like how did you work through the transformation of changing that narrative? Um, really looking at, well, why did I have that belief at the time? Because that meant safety for me. You know, that was like survival mechanism, defense mechanism. So, okay, I honor that. I get it. That's what I needed to do at that time. But that's not my life now, right? I'm not in that situation anymore. I'm whatever now, like in a completely different stage. So then looking at So how did it serve me then? And how is it no longer serving me now? What is it actually preventing me from doing, right? And being afraid of attention, it prevented me from selling my offers, prevented me from making connections with people, prevented me from showing up on my stories and showing my personality, prevented me from going after opportunities, pitching myself, you know, making my self-known in this niche or this community there's so many things there that it was preventing me from doing so when I looked at that it's like well this needs to go we need to rewire we need to reprogram this belief now and it's a constant rewiring and a constant reprogramming because sounds like that was you know a really significant part of your childhood story and so you've put that belief on repeat for many 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 years and so changing that takes consistent work absolutely and I like if I were to just simplify that a little bit more um it's like taking those old stories that we once thought we needed to be safe and realizing how it's actually now it's unsafe for us to keep holding on to those stories right and creating a new definition of what safe means I don't know if that makes sense yes I love it so like almost walking through like what you were saying you actually did see this is actually not making me safe like I'm not showing up for the opportunities I'm not showing up in stories I'm not showing up for myself talking about my this is actually creating a problem (laughs) because I'm not able to sell exactly exactly and was that that it was that like so that was part of it, right? Seeing the how, but then how did you say, this is my new safety. This is my new way of operating and sort of step into that. I think it was recognizing, okay, so here's where I want to be. What is that going to require of me? You know, what is that version of me look like that is a multiple six figure, seven figure entrepreneur? And it's not somebody that is afraid of attention. Right? It's not someone that is afraid of speaking their mind, having a voice, having an opinion, and being forthcoming and assertive with it. I think that's what it was. It was more about like visualizing who is that person that I need to be in order to have the life that I want and the success that I want, and how do I start embodying that now? Hmm. I love it. And it's small things, right? What were those like small things for you, right? As you're like, okay, this is the vision I have for my life. Okay. 
this is what I have to start doing. Even like the small micro things that you started to do to change the narrative. Yeah, this is great. Cause I can think of a very quick, like tangible example that my business coach always called me out on for so long. So I've been working with her for a year and a half now. And I was in her group program, then in her mastermind. And now I'm working with her one-on-one and one of the things that I've always done my entire life is I'll, I'll always go last. If there's like, if it's like any questions, like you guys want to share whatever, I will probably not share or I'll go last. I'm always that person. And she constantly challenged me because she was like, why do you always want to go last? Why do you like you know, you give up time for other people and just save your questions and you'll just send them to me on Boxer is because this belief that of like not being worthy of having attention, not taking up space, right? So then I was like, oh shoot, here it is. Here it's, here it is coming up in my business, right? So then the thing I started challenging myself with was going first and it felt so uncomfortable and it sounds so ridiculous. It's like, if you're just going first on a call but for me it was huge because I was always the person that was just like no everybody else go it's totally fine like don't even worry about me I'm fine I'm fine to going first and taking up as much time and as much space as I needed so that for me was like a very tangible clear example of how I started to embody that version of myself oh my goodness I feel like so many of us are going to resonate with that You know, I I really like, thank you for being willing to just, we just met and you're telling me your story and like, I appreciate that so much. And I really think that, you know, many of us are going to resonate with the, I'll just wait, I'll go, I don't need to take up space, stay small, you know, and you know, I know this all stems out of, oh, here, we're having a conversation about how to fall in love with sales. And what we're talking about is how to fall in love with yourself and be confident because out of that is what, you know, you produce your bit and your business. And that's what you talk about and that's what you sell. And so it's so connected. Yeah. I think that's the integrity piece that we're talking about. And the authentic piece is being good with you means you're good with selling what you produce. And as an entrepreneur, we are what we sell. Um, so I think that's so, so huge. So fast forward to where you're at now and you're a sales coach and working through confidence and um, share a little bit about some of the successes that you've had and like how currently and how you've gotten there. Like whether it's mindset stuff, strategy stuff, will you share just a little bit now of like what you do different and how your business is different because of it? Yeah, I mean, most obviously, I've made the most amount of money I've ever made in my business to date, and I'm charging the highest prices I've ever charged to date. I'd never thought I would be in this position, you know, but it is through all of the deep internal, really ugly work, like the mindset work, the energetic work that has allowed me to consistently increase my prices and not feel guilty for it and be very firm in the type of client that I want to work with, because I know after doing all the work on myself, what I bring to the table, Mm -hmm. right? I know, and I'm not willing to undervalue that any longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, I mean, how I show up in my business now is I'm just me. And it is the most freeing. I have like full on goosebumps right now, like the most freeing, empowering experience of my life. If there was like one thing, if my business burned down tomorrow, and if there was one thing I would be most grateful for, it's that I truly just got to be me for the first time in my life. I finally feel like I've come to terms with who I am and being able to express that on social media with random strangers who before I would be crippled by social anxiety. Now it's like, I just get to be me and I don't care. Like if we work, we work, we don't, we don't, that's it. Mm. Yeah. So no's are a huge part of sales. 
right? Like if we work, we work. If we don't, we don't. And a lot of times we don't, we don't ends up being statistically what we hear more than the yeses. So how have you gone about hearing no's, managing no's? How do you help your clients when it comes to sales um, with all of the no's? Yes, you're absolutely right. It is way more no's than yeses, right? Um, I think that the best way I've been able to navigate this and help my clients is like easier said than done, but practicing detachment and understanding that your business is a business, right? It is not you. It is not all of you in your entirety. Your business is a business. Look at your business as if it was like a, a physical product or something, right? If you were to think of any company that sells products, do you think that the founder of that company, Coca-Cola or whatever, one person says they hate Coke and they're disgusted by it. Do you think that founder is like crying? Are they personally, you know, mortified and distraught over that feedback? No, it's a product. So when I started looking at my business like that, so I could create that separation, it saved my life. Because we're, like you said earlier, you know, we're heart-centered, heart-led, purpose-driven, soul-driven entrepreneurs. We want to help people. And it's so easy for us to become so like intertwined with our businesses that it becomes our identity. And then every no is like a personal thing. Every, every no feels like an attack. Every no feels like a personal rejection when it's nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your business and the actual offer itself. Mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Detachment, healthy detachment. That's, I couldn't have said it better. Thank you. That's amazing. Um, Okay. Talk to us about scarcity mindset. How does that impact sales? Yes. Oh, good old scarcity mindset. So um, the simplest way I like to define scarcity mindset is basically looking at um, resources and believing that there is a very finite amount of resources, whether that's time, energy, clients, or money that there's only so much to go around, right? So if you have that mindset and you're like, there is only so much to go around, when you're in the online space and you see all these other coaches in your niche who are crushing it, who are signing all the clients, you naturally start to think, well, they're signing all these clients, so who's left for me? Like if they're signing all the clients and they're having the 10K launches and I'm not having anything, well, what's even the point? There's gonna be no more clients for me. the people aren't going to have any more money to invest in whatever, like that's where it all starts. So then when we start to believe that, like, what is the point, then why are we going to feel excited to sell, right? We're going to sell kind of half-assed. We're going to sell with like no real passion or conviction because in our minds, we're like, well, all the clients are already gone. They've already signed on to all the other coaches. So I'm just going to like throw this offer, my offer out there willy nilly and just meh see what happens. Hmm. God changes your energy entirely. Law of attraction. We know that is uh, going to be problematic. Exactly. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you believe that there are no more clients there, you know, to be signed, or there's no more resources for you to tap into, then you will find every single example and every single thing to confirm that there are no more clients for you to sign, that there are no more resources left for you to have. Absolutely. And it becomes a just continuous cycle, <laughs> downward spiral. Yes, exactly. So as we sort of wrap up a little bit here, can you share a little bit about maybe some consistent practices that you choose to do or you encourage your clients to do around mindset and energy and then strategy. I know that you grew a ton um, of your sales through Instagram. So I want to hear a little bit of that strategy piece, but 
how, what what are some consistent practices that help you align your energy, that help you align the way that you think your mindset um, to help you with sales to build wealth? Mm-hmm. Um, consistent daily practices. I think the embodiment piece that I talked about earlier is a huge thing that has changed the game for me. You know, looking at where is that next um, goal or where's that next level for me in my business? And what does that version of me look like? What do they do on a daily basis? How do they run their days? How did they spend their time? I will like full on journal a perfect day as this version of myself. And then I will start to look at maybe I'm not there yet financially, but what are parts of that day that I can start embodying now? And there are so many things, so many things that you can do to embody that now that doesn't actually, it's not contingent on how much money you're bringing in. Again, back to the promises that you would keep to yourself. You know, like, what would that be? How would you be running your day if you were a six-figure entrepreneur, if you were a seven-figure entrepreneur? And then extracting pieces and starting to practice that on a daily basis now so that you bridge the gap between where you are now to where you want to be. I love it. So embodiment. Yeah. Small things. Getting clarity on what is the next version of you first, which you've talked about a couple of times of visualizing that, knowing what that is, getting clarity around it. And then stepping into that energetically, if you can't fully do it, right? It's a process and doing that. I love that. Anything else that you would say towards energy, mindset, daily practices that you would encourage those listening to start to implement? Um, I think it would be really under, like really taking the time to appreciate what you have now because we can very much get caught up in this thinking of when I'm here then I'm gonna feel happy then I'm gonna feel whatever you want to feel when you can feel all of those emotions now it might look slightly different but you can experience all of those feelings now because success doesn't fix problems right (laughs) it adds a different layer to them can make them more complex, can whatever. But I think it's really looking at how can I start feeling those feelings that I want to feel now, whatever that looks like again for you, for like something that I started incorporating daily into my routine. I would always tell myself midday, I want to take a, a walk, a nature walk for an hour, hour and a half, just go walk, get a coffee, listen to a podcast. I felt like for me, that would make me feel very bougie because I've never had that kind of freedom to just like take a midday walk, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, when I start making, you know, six figures, then I'll do it. And I'm like, no, I want to start doing that now because it helps to embody all of those things, but it gets me in a very different headspace because then I start to see myself as that version of myself now. And then again, you just start to bridge the gap. It becomes a more tangible thing. It becomes actually a lot closer to your current reality. So sales, you had amazing sales on Instagram. And I know that's a freebie you're going to share with the audience. Tell us a little bit, give us a sneak peek of, of that information that you have in that guide and like your story and like your success around selling on Instagram and maybe some practical tips you would give people. Yeah. So the strategy piece, um, around selling on store or selling on Instagram, sorry, that has been like my ride or die is selling on stories. And this is something that in the beginning of my business, I failed to understand the value of You know, I was like, oh, people don't need to see me. They don't care about me. They just want to see the offer, right? They want to know what the offer is all about. Not like me, who I am as a person, you know, my day-to-day, anything like that. So um, the strategy piece that I've worked on with all of my clients and what's included in this freebie is how to sell on stories, right? And how to do so in a way that feels very authentic to you. And it's not like, hardcore selling where every day it's just like 
sign like I'm selling one-on-one I'm selling one it's how do we get creative about showcasing not only your offer but who you are as an individual who you are as you know a CEO as a leader as a coach and then the other parts of your life too that help build that connection and that trust and that no like no like trust factor that people need in order to buy and you can mm. do that so effectively on stories and so many people are just missing out on a gold mine here okay so i'm gonna put you on the spot which i've oh. basically done this entire interview <laughs> because i'm just like jiving with you and just going wherever my heart's taking me but let's let's like get super practical let's pretend like you're coaching me uh just based out of your the, the information that you have in the freebie for everybody that they're gonna go download and start to show up on stories so I'm you know a money coach I'm getting ready to open up a few spaces for working with me in the VIP month or something what how what are some things that you'd be like this is what I want you to start to do on Instagram yeah. So on stories. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is storytelling. How do we incorporate storytelling into your story? So most often when people go on stories to pitch, they're just like, here's the offer, blah, blah. How do we actually <laughs> sell the offer, but in creating a story around it, right? So first the key to selling on stories is having an incredible hook. You need to grab their attention and you need to tell them exactly what kind of value they're going to get out of listening to your stories today. People literally have no attention span now. So if you're opening it, opening your stories with just like, I'm opening up four spots for this VIP month, they're gone. We have to talk about that, right? So right away, open it up with a hook of like, you know, um, here are three reasons why you need a money coach or whatever it is like, but it's directed towards them. It's not about you. It's about them. Right. Then you start, you set the story, you explain to them how you get their pain points, where they're at, really make them feel understood and heard and seen. Right. And when they feel understood, they're like, Oh, this chick knows what she's talking about. Okay. She sees me. She gets me. She's in my head. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued now. I want to pay attention. Okay. Middle of the story, you're going to just serve like the meat, the juice, the, the good stuff, right? What it is that you have to offer. Then you're going to relay that to your actual offer, right? So like, here's the things that you need to fix it. Here's how we can fix it with my offer. And then you pitch, right? So it's not just like, hey, I got four spots for this VIP month. Nobody is going to respond to that, right? It's about storytelling and setting it up in a way that creates this intrigue and want to pay attention. I love that. It's, it is about story and it's about your buyer seeing themselves in the story. And um, I know that storytelling is part of what you uh, teach in this freebie and um, really remembering that we're not the hero of the story, but our, our clients are, and it's all about them. Oh my goodness. This conversation has been amazing. Thank you so, so much. I'd love to get to our rapid fire questions. If that's oh, okay yes, with of course. You. Yeah. Um, okay. So I've got a few questions for you that we're just going to, I don't know if you prepared for these or not, but we're going to go through. Uh, so, I don't think I did. I'm already sweating. Oh, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> okay. So what is your earliest memory around money and how has that impacted you? Oh, this is good. Okay. I did prepare for these questions. Okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> okay. Um, earliest memory of money was in my household. Men made the money, right? Men made the money and that meant that they had the power, right? Whoever made the money had the power, whoever made the money had a say. And so this carried into you know, my teen years, adulthood, whatever, and has really been my motivation and driver to be financially independent as a woman. Because growing up, not making money or not having money meant I didn't have power. I didn't have a voice. I didn't have a say. 
So that's been a personal motivation in my life. And then how it translates into my business. It's why I'm so passionate about working with female coaches and entrepreneurs and service providers to help them build, you know, generational wealth and, and financial freedom for themselves so that they never have to feel contingent or dependent on someone else for that. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I feel that is amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what's your money moment that you're most proud of? Um, so there's this book, it's called the soul of money by Lynn twist. I don't know if you've ever read this book before. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Life-changing. One of the first books I read about money mindset, soul of money. So when I went through this book, I had this moment where I realized how many parallels there were with my views and beliefs and relationship with money and my relationship with others and myself. And I remember reading this book and being like, what the, how is it that these, you know, beliefs I have around money run very true in other relationships in my life? I never made that connection. I never really quite understood money mindset until I started diving in. And I was like, oh, I get why people do this work now because it has a massive ripple effect in everything. All other relationships, relationship with yourself, all other facets of your life. So I think that that would be a money moment that I was really proud of where I realized this is so much more than just money. That is so true. That's why I do this work. Yeah, it is about exactly. money, but it's not about the money, you know. Mm-hmm. If I were to give you a hundred thousand dollars right now, what would you do with it? Um, I would love to pay off my business coach and mentor in full. I feel like that would be a very badass CEO move. Yes, it would just feel really, really good. Um, I would give my mom some money, obviously. Um, I would send some money back to my relatives in Vietnam and save some money for future investments and, you know, taxes, taxes, <laughs> and probably take my family to a nice, like fancy dinner. That's like my thing I like to do. I like to splurge on nice family dinners. Mm. So if you're being real bougie, is that what you splurge on or do you splurge on something else? Yeah, that would be the first thing. Most of the things that I've like moments of celebration in my business have been like a really nice family dinner where I just take everyone out and it's just, it makes me so, so happy to be able to do that. Um, What else? What are other bougie things that I like to do? I like to splurge on really nice sneakers. I really like sneakers. Um, So like really cool sneakers that most people don't have. Um, I like to splurge on really good sashimi, like high quality, great sashimi. Cause it's not always like, you're not always wanting to pay eight, 10 bucks for one piece of sashimi. That's a lot. If you're eating like two pounds of raw fish, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, nice tequila. That's a, that's a splurge. And, um, impromptu you know manicures pedicures the kind of normal stuff I think I love it yeah oh my goodness this is amazing thank you so much for coming on for sharing your story for sharing your expertise I would love for my audience to be able to connect with you so where's the best place to find them and I know we chatted about the freebie but you want to talk a little bit about where they can grab that as well Yeah, absolutely. So I live on Instagram most days of the week. So you can find me over there. My handle is at Chopinuwin. If you want to send me a DM, I can get the freebie to you. It'll also be in my bio. The link will be there for you. Um, It is my story selling framework, essentially, like my guide or framework on how to sell on stories um, effectively. Amazing. Thank you so much. We will have all of that linked in the show notes as well. It's been such a joy to chat with you. Thank you, Erin. I had the best time. Thank you so much for having me.
Thanks for listening to the Wealthy Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you can access all the latest episodes. And while you're at it, would you take a few minutes to leave a review? This will help spread the word and spread the Wealthy Woman movement. Are you inspired to take the first steps towards financial freedom in your life and biz? Check out all the money-related resources for wealthy women at www.aaronbridgman.com slash work with Aaron. Take the right next step for you. Cheers for now.